discuss the geeky side of pop culture, everything from horror and fantasy, sci-fi and superheroes. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with us, check out the last two episodes. It was quite dope. I, if I don't see so myself. Yeah. Yeah, we liked it. Yeah. Um, much like our first episode, we actually have a studio audience of one. Here. Yay! Uh, yeah, a much prettier version of Adil. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> much prettier version Way of Adil. Way prettier version of Adil. Sorry, Adil. Say hi, come Hi. <laughs> uh, that's our friend Carmen. She's our studio audience for today. Yep. Uh, my name is Hitzer. I'm Adi. Uh, this is Isa. Yeah, Isa is our re- our resident, I guess, enemy guy. Yeah. Yes, enemy I'm guy. the otaku, weabo, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, indeed. Uh, uh, but we are not touching on anime this. Are yeah, we? not much anime. No, we're not. No, 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 no not much at all. Actually, uh, we will we will cover more anime in the future, of course. Yep. There sure. is a Full Metal Alchemist uh, live Movie. action. Oh, now. I have thoughts about that. Oh, you yeah, that's right. You have right. Have you watched it? Yeah. 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 Did we talk about it last podcast? We, we we mentioned it. We mentioned oh, okay. it. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, let's, it's let's um in, it's not worth talking about. You think? I think for fans, mm-hmm. they might forgive a lot of things. Let's just put it that way. Alrighty, alrighty. Alright, alright. Uh, Hadi is my co-host for another podcast that we do. Uh, Hard Hits Wrestling Podcast. Hard Hits episode fifty-five coming out. Yeah. To- well, if this comes out, that means it came out. Your this. timeline is a bit off. Uh. <laughs> Your timeline is a bit off. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Episode fifty six is coming out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, besides being a pro wrestling podcaster, I'm also a music journalist with mm-hmm. uh, websites like uh, Ben Wagon and Juice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I freelance elsewhere with uh, things like MTV Asia and Vice. Yeah. I also do uh, film and TV criticism fo, fo, fo. for Insing.com and Popwire. Popwire. Ah. So uh, just you know, listening on my resumes in case anyone listening wants to hire me. Yeah, freelance, freelance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you gotta hustle every now and then. <laughs> uh, before we delve into like the big topics of the week, we just gotta shout out um, our good friend, uh, uh, Kevin Smith. Oh, uh, Kevin Smith. Yeah. yeah uh, fellow podcaster. As get well. Yeah, yeah fellow co- uh, podcaster for Batman something, Fat Man. Fat Man on Batman. Fat Man on Batman. Do you even research? I forgot. Do you remember like our <laughs> I was podcast, just listening you know? to it like yesterday. Fat Man or Batman? Yeah. yeah, with Mark Bernardin. Yes. Uh, so he he had a heart attack while um, doing his stand up comedy mm-hmm. bits. Um, but he didn't realize he had a heart attack. Yeah, uh, he went to the hospital the next day. Uh, thank God it saved his life. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I mean, famous for Clerks and uh, Jay and Silent Bob, Dogma. Recently directed episodes of Flash and Supergirl. Yep. Uh, written runs on Green Arrow and Daredevil. Yep. So, a big genre guy. Uh, one of us la. One of us. One of us. So, uh, we, it always sucks when this happens to one of us. So, speedy recovery, but. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also have to shout out the two Singaporeans who were nominated for the Nebula Awards. Represent. Yep. 
Yes. Uh, first w- ever, right? First ever Singaporeans yeah. ever nominated for Nebula Awards. You get two at one time. Yeah, uh, continuing on from uh, Singapore Success last year when uh, Charlie Chan Hock Chai was uh, nominated for the Eisner. Eisner. No, not nominated. He's, they won. He won, won the Eisner. Yeah. Yeah. God damn it. Like yeah. several in the Eisner yeah. Awards, right? Yeah. There you go. So take, take that NAC. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, the two Singaporeans won, or well, not won, uh, we hope they win, but they're nominated for Best Novella and Best Novelettes. Would you like to uh, elaborate what a novelette is? Aha, uh-huh. okay. So a novelette is uh, uh, 7,500 words to 17,500 words. Yeah. And a novella is 17,500 to 40,000 words. A short novel, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. There you go. Woo! Got the numbers right. Hadi just Wikipedia that, so I'm glad <laughs> that he remembered. <laughs> um, so congrats to uh, J.Y. Yang and uh, Vina Prasad, you know. Uh, they were nominated by the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America, so clearly mm. no bias with Singapore mm. at all. Uh, this is a big deal. It's the highest uh, awards in sci-fi and fantasy outside of the Hugo Awards. Yep. Yep. Uh, as we were making the analogy earlier on, this is sort of like the Golden Globes and the Oscars. The, you know, the, the Hugos and the Oscars. Mm. This I think it's more like the it's more like the BAFTAs, BAFTAs. BAFTAs yeah. to the yeah, yeah. The, know, to the yeah the Golden Globes can be bought uh. yeah exactly <laughs> they, 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 they clearly are most of the time uh, Yen was shortlisted for the Black Tats of Heaven which mm-hmm. was published on Tor.com as part of the Tensorate series alongside yep. uh, the Red Threads of Fortune mm. uh, it's a silk punk uh, kind of um, world ancient influence rift on Victorian steampunk yep. which is very interesting we haven't read it but we really want to yep uh, Prasad himself is uh, well, herself. herself sorry is nominated for a novelette called A Series of Stakes yeah. about two women in Nanjing who watch quality beef mm-hmm. strange intriguing premises very relevant <laughs> very relevant <laughs> so, uh, yeah, beef, yeah I guess so I guess so um, yeah those, those are just quick shout outs for people that we are really looking forward to uh, reading yeah and meeting one day Maybe, yeah. We'll oh see, shit, we'll see. yeah. Maybe we should try interviewing some of these local exactly. writers. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, and maybe Kevin Smith too. Right? Yeah, Kevin Smith. Well, I would love it if he interviews me and Fat Man or Batman, a podcast that you can't remember. Oops, my bad. <laughs> That's alright. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's move on to talk about the big story of the month, which is Black Panther. Ooh, Black Panther. Uh, cultural blockbuster phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, let's take aside its creativity and narrative uh, richness and triumphs there. Uh, mm-hmm. Just by just on the numbers itself, oh, box office-wise, it's a huge commercial success. Yeah. Uh, within its first weekend, it blew past expectations. It did. Uh, it earned 242 million just domestic in America. Uh, near half a billion worldwide. Mm. Now, 10 days since it released, it's earned 700 million dollars. Uh, one of the fastest MCU movies to reach that uh, Among. milestone yeah. uh, and might be one of the quickest MCU movies to reach a billion dollars. Yeah. Uh, it will join Avengers 1, Avengers Age of Ultron, Cap- Captain America Civil War yeah. uh, and all four of those are huge movies. It is. Uh, not only did it break records, it broke uh, it broke all sorts of records. It did. Like um, previously, like um, Fast and Furious 7 was directed by black director F. Gary Gray from yeah. Straight Outta Compton. Uh, this nearly tripled that's box office. Yeah, man. Uh, it doubled Deadpool's uh, record-setting February opening. Mm-hmm. It uh, surpassed the ju- the Justice League total total <laughs> yeah. run. Total run. Yeah. What Justice League earned in four months, yeah. uh, Black Panther already surpassed in four days. So if that isn't indicative of the groundswell of support for something fresh, uh, a fresh perspective such as this, like, from uh, an underrepresented uh, minority group. Um, I don't know what is lah. Exactly. There is a Hollywood uh, myth that uh, black leads can't do it well internationally. Black leads, black cast, mm. black director, black everything lah. And now I think it's been proven that it's a racist excuse. It is. And also a self-fulfilling prophecy because 
they say this thing and then they won't do it yeah. and that's the excuse uh. exactly. I mean you get a smaller budget you get smaller mm. marketing uh, uh, budget to, to, to market your film exactly. yeah because just because they, don't have, they have no faith in it exactly. yeah. and this is what can happen when you put your the full marketing power uh, and might as uh, Disney for example exactly. behind it uh. yeah. and uh, for those of you who criticize Disney for being so white please remember that over the last three years they gave us Moana and mm-hmm. Coco as well mm-hmm. which are very representative of uh Minority cultures, yeah. and not in a condescending way like Mulan was. Nope. But we have Mulan coming up as well. Uh, live action, live action, action remake, which won't have much music. Uh, That's good. I, hmm. Really? I mean, of all in, people, I know, I, I know, I love Mulan, but like, just so you know, Hadi is a huge <laughs> Disney music fan. I am. Yeah. He knows yeah. all the songs. I do. And all the words. Yeah, but we're not gonna go through them now. <laughs> yeah, I know, but still. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So. Uh, yeah, uh, but let's delve into Black Panther, yeah. the movie. Mm. Uh, creative, uh, creatively, narratively, culturally. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll kick it off first. Sure. Uh, Black Panther, I feel, isn't just MCU's best. It's like the new gold standard for superhero movies in general. Yep. Alongside The Dark Knight, alongside movies like Logan, like The Incredibles. I think it, it's right up there. Um, Ryan Coogler, who is the director, um, has previously worked on smaller films like yep. uh, Creed and Fruitvale Station. Mm-hmm. Slowly working his way up through the ranks. Both great films, by the way. Uh, also, both starring Michael B. Jordan. Yes. And uh, just, just like on a side note, I've en- really enjoyed watching Michael B. Jordan grow as an actor. Mm. Me too. This is his big coming out party, but I, uh, I've been following him since The Wire season one. Oh man, Wallace, man. you know. Man, man, Wallace got shot. Uh, spoiler, spoiler alert! alert. <coughs> I know, but then past the statue of limitations. Uh, indeed, oh. indeed. There's yeah. the famous West Waller, West Wallace scene from uh, uh. the prison. Uh, and then he played a troubled teen athlete in uh, Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Uh, and then he teamed up with uh, Ryan Coogler. And then his career just skyrocketed. For both of them, like, it's, both a, them, yeah. it's yeah. a mutually beneficial relationship. It's la. one of those muse. And Ryan Coogler is your age. It's 31. It's an 86 baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what have I done? What have podcasts? I mean, yeah. What oh. <laughs> um, Obviously, Fulville Station <clears throat> and Creed kind of... Uh, Offer a perspective on the black experience that is very organic and very uh, just true to life, you know. And uh, what Ryan Coogler gives to Black Panther is something that I think non-black directors cannot give, la. It's it it just it delves into like the cultural and scientific richness of Wakanda, and yep. that's one of the major uh, triumphs of this movie. Yep. It's just like this idea of a nation of black excellence, you know, that's yeah. uninterrupted by colonialism. Like you see in real life, where uh, countries with all all throughout the continent of Africa are rich in natural resources with ingenious, hardworking people, but yeah. they've just been stunted. Colonialism. Uh, <laughs> white people, you know. Yeah. Colonizers. Yeah. Uh, just basically either kidnapping them or pillaging and variety of like uh, atrocities. atrocities. Yeah, I, I, exactly la. So this is a nature, uh, a nation of black excellence, uninterrupted by that, and what progress can be la. Yeah. And it's one of the like lines that stuck with me with my, that Michael B. Jordan said was you know like imagine a kid from Oakland running around dreaming about fairy tales, you know. Yeah. And uh, one of the big achievements of this movie is the fact that this gives a big budget spectacle fairy tale to a group that doesn't have something like that. Uh, I think white kids growing up, they have a lot of things to look up to. Even in, even in Marvel and comic books or other sci-fi and fantasy. Mm-hmm. This is something that they don't, don't have. But I, to me, the film's greatest achievement is its exploration of what a country like that might mean socio-politically. Mm-hmm. Like, um, as justified as this isolationist policy is, yeah. uh, as you know, we kind of already talked about, what, what responsibility does Wakanda have to the African diaspora? 
Yeah. Uh, and most interestingly of all is its exploration of relationships between African Americans and Africans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's very complicated and it's actually more divisive than you think it is. That's its rawest and to me most compelling angle. Uh. I mean, Black Panther has all the personal journey of a hero and identity, yeah. strength, heritage, and all of that. It does. But it also has the deepest bench of female badasses I've ever seen in oh, any movie. Yes. Yeah, from Princess Shuri uh, to Koye to. Yeah. I mean, shout out to like Nakia. Le- Nakia. Nakia. Yeah, shout out to like Denai Guerrero, uh, you know, Michonne from Walking Dead, yeah. if you don't know. <laughs> uh, Letitia Wright, who plays uh, her testy sister Shuri, mm-hmm. who uh, was previously on Black Museum. Black, Black Museum. Mirror. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the more talented young British actors out there she as is, well. Yeah. Uh, her involvement in the film specifically, to me, was the bright spot. Uh, one of the brightest spots, at least, yeah. Michael B. Jordan's really tragic character. Yeah. Um, so I, I loved everything about it. Um, I mean, shout- yeah, sorry. Uh, so yeah, um, like shouts out to Winston Duke also who played Mbaku. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the character most in danger of being a stereotypical African caricature. With a name like Man Ape, which they... Which they, they tastefully left tastefully out. Tastefully left out, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but he, his charisma, humour and charm kind of uh, broached that what could have been a caricature like, yeah. and made him like a fully dimensional, fully fleshed out character. Yeah, I did. Uh, that, that was already great. Like. I mean, I can't say enough good things about this. Like. Uh, what, what do you guys think? Uh, I mean, apart from the excellent performances, I need a, a little shout out to the really talented supporting cast. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it was a great like cast. Like even, um, what was uh, Makambe's name? Makabe? Daniel Daniel Kalua Daniel Kalua yes Zuri who played by Forrest Whitaker Angela Bassett who Mm. played the mum Angela Bassett looks amazing she was so great who looks like like Storm yeah she was the great great, white dreadlocks oh my god so amazing Uh, I wish I got them more to do but she she did look spectacular she Mm. did Uh, I mean apart from you know the whole diversity thing um, the whole uh Wakanda being a technological marvel, mm-hmm. you know, and all these many, many uh, things that, that was different that we've never seen unless we've read the comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things I felt was really important was the lack of tokenism that you have your black characters. You, you mm-hmm. I mean, you can't have that. You know, War Machine is kind of a token guy. Um, right? Falcon you, was you kind of a, black characters right? are kind of defined by what they do with or for the white characters. Exactly. Um, War Machine, um, yeah. Falcon, as you and, mentioned. Yeah. yeah. And this time you didn't have that, which I thought was very refreshing. In in felt in fact it was tokenism this time with uh, Andy Circus <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, as we all know Golem and Frodo yeah. La. Yeah. and also Bilbo. Bilbo yeah it's yeah. these two white characters who in turn uh, subversively are defined by their reactions to the black protagonist mm-hmm. in this film or the yeah. black antagonist in Michael B. Jordan's case which was mm-hmm. fun to watch I felt yeah no it yeah. was really fun and, and speaking to your point about the technological advancements of Wakanda yeah. um, just it's the set design and the, oh, yeah. uh, and everything was so fantastic because it isn't like this Anglo-Saxon vision of the future which yeah. we see in stuff like Blade Runner yep. or any any other versions of sci-fi. More of an Afro-futurism kind of thing going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and sometimes Afro-futurism can just be like this catchphrase but they yeah. really, really put a lot of thought and care into exactly. designing everything from the weapons to the sets uh, to the traditional like uh, blankets that they use as shields which yeah, they put yeah, up as like this fossil shields. I mean, everything, even from the, 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 the dialect they're using in the Tosa language yeah. right, mm. was... Uh, it's so well thought out. Yeah. I mean, so it, it, detailed. It started in Civil War. Um, 
Tachanka. Tachaka. His father. Uh, his father. He, he's a South African actor. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, so he, he developed the yeah. language from there. Yeah. So uh, his, his uh, interaction with T'Challa was supposed to be in English. Mm. But Tachaka said, wait, well, why are we doing this in English? I'm talking to my son, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he said it should be in, in a dialect. Like, it should be in his, their mother tongue. Yeah. So that's why the Kosa language came about. You know, mm. And then he became the... the <coughs> the inspiration Yeah, the inspiration And also the linguistics uh, Expert la, That yes. they consulted la. Yep. Yeah so then And I we saw a lot more In this film la. Yeah, They yeah. even had um, Specific dialects For each of the tribes It's a regional yeah. accent Yeah, it's uh, a regional accent yeah. Which was really <laughs> Mind-blowing the details That we would not know yeah, but That we would gloss over that, but uh, People from Africa yeah. I mean Would have noticed that And would yeah. I think appreciate that I think like um, From the reception The rapture reception That it had across Africa yeah. um, It really got the details down And mm. it wasn't condescending yeah, It wasn't exactly. which, which, which was really good yeah. um, A lot of people I, I guess us uh, Who are outside Africa Tend to think of Africa As like a country But it's not no, we're more well educated than that. So I mean, I'm, I'm just you know the casuals, <laughs> the, casuals. the quote unquote casuals. <laughs> that there will be like saying Mexico is like Canada because they're in North America. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, right? I get it. I get it. So um, I I like that they express the whole richness and diversity of Africa mm-hmm. in, in all its wonders, and yeah. colors. Yeah. Uh, oh, I would edit. Let's shout out the costume designer. Ooh, oh, Ruth Carter, man. Ruth Carter, who has done amazing work. Yeah. We were just having this conversation Like I, I want to wear Like half the wardrobe That they have But would that be Cultural, cultural appropriation Most probably Most probably Yeah Yeah, yeah but Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's okay Like it's Half the things that T'Challa was Sort of look like Baju Kurung Yeah The Juba no, The Juba yeah, 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 He did He did So um, apparently Just la- The week after Black Panther yeah. came out Right Like Indonesian uh, Government makers Government makers are already releasing yeah. the same thing. Which I'm going to wear for Hari Raya. I'm definitely going to get that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wear a T'Challa Juba. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> where, are you gonna, where are you going to get that? Second chance? Uh? <laughs> Most probably. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm going to tailor it. Lah, damn it. You're going to just uh, e-bear it from Roof Carter. Why not? Yeah. Also, shout out to... Um, I mean, everything looks fantastic, but it wouldn't look this fantastic without the lensing and framing of uh, Rachel Morrison, who did a fantastic yes. job. Uh, if you don't know, she's like the first ever female DP, director of photography, to ever mm. be nominated for an Oscar for yep. her work on Mudbound, a uh, fantastic yeah. film from last year, yep. uh, which you can watch on Netflix right now. Yes, um, exactly. I really urge you to watch that film, it's really great. Highly recommend it. Fantastic, yeah. Highly recommend it, yeah. And, no, dude, this film like, succeeds in every level, from the music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not just talking about Kendrick Lamar's hip hop score because that's just an African American kind of a perspective on it, but also Ludwig Göransson's yes. uh, tribal score as well, oh, which is oh, the amazing. African drums. Yeah, what? Which is amazing. Amazing, right? Yeah. But the I, fact that he went to Africa and like kind of like researched for months on end, you know, yeah. just to get it right. He's dope. Great. Yeah, I mean, he's done all of Ryan Coogler's other films, yeah. uh, Fruitvale, Creed. He's also scored for Community, weirdly enough. And uh, because Charlie, childish, yeah. Oh, Charlie, Charlie, Charlie you know, He's one of the uh, uh, producers. The main producer. He's the main producer, producer for, for all, his, all his albums? The recent one. The recent one. And also from uh, Camp also. Yes, from Camp. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, fantastic producer. You've got to shout him out. Yep, yep, and, like, yep. like, on every fucking like, technical level, this, this is such an achievement. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what were your favourite parts of the movie, either technically, Ooh. narratively, or acting-wise? Uh, Last I, part, Killmonger's, spoiler alert, Killmonger's uh, death scene. And his final line. His final line. Okay, mm. sure. Oh, I love that scene. I, I think for me, like, a big part of the entire feel of the movie was how family it felt. Mm-hmm. Right? The entire idea, the whole royal family and yeah, everybody yeah. surrounding it was yeah, family. Yeah. So my favourite parts of the movie are actually the really, really small parts mm. where, like, Shuri and T'Challa have, like, this brother-sister thing going on. Quite cute, yeah, Or yeah. he steps off the plane, right? And 
all the members of his family are just making fun of him for freezing. Mm. Yeah. Like, it's all these really, really small moments that actually make me very... Super nice uh, character. Exactly. Yeah. And I think a lot of the time um, when it comes to superhero movies, we don't get that mm. as much. Because if you look at the breadth of uh, what the MCU is right now, how many of these heroes have no parents or you never hear about them? So and so on and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. But in this particular case, you have a hero who is grounded in the family, which I think is very mm-hmm. interesting. And, and it, mean, becomes, yeah. it becomes a legacy story as well. It does, it does. So I really, really love that part. Yeah. Uh, I, the tech is awesome. The yeah. tech is cool. And apparently not that far off. We are not that far off from having yeah. tech like that. Um, I believe Well, so, not right? that far off. It's like 30 years. 30 years, like. 40 years. We might be dead by then. Yeah. But anyway, uh, mm-hmm. another... Sorry, not, uh, to add on to that, uh, one of the other interesting things was actually... Okay, I really love Killmonger. Lah. All of us do, right? I mean, Michael B. Jordan is... The character itself is probably one of the best uh, villains that MCU yeah. has ever produced. Yep, hands down. Um, above Loki. Exactly. Above Loki, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I mean, his dream sequence scene. The one him and his dad interacting. Mm. You know, so it was such a... It was so different from how T'Challa was interacting with that. Yes. Um, I, the afterlife is kind of subjective to your experience. Exactly, right? Which is what I like about its representation so, oh, of it. It was yeah. so brilliant. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, the green screen could have been worked on. They like little, little... Like nitpicks, nitpicks with right? the movie because um, I had nitpicks with the CGI and the final yeah, battle exactly. scene the green screen was a bit a too bit distracting sometimes yeah, too obvious but like the acting kind of overpowered it like, exactly. sometimes um, the Killmonger scene like you mentioned in the afterlife sequence when the second his dad's voice boomed out he yeah. turned into a little child you know yeah. and I, I really like things like that uh, mm. even even the afterlife scene with T'Challa uh, yeah. is the only time we ever really see him break out of his stoic regal character mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, when he you know he just like with tears welling up his eyes saying you're yeah. wrong you should have taken that boy you know yeah and uh, that boy being a representation of the African Americans who feel left behind by Africa their you know, the mother country yeah. Yeah. and what they had to go through uh, with slavery with uh, Jim Crow with uh, the civil rights movement in America like, with no help whatsoever exactly. Uh, Killmonger represented all of that mm-hmm. uh, I also like that he wasn't named Killmonger he was named Eric Stevens Killmonger was his mm-hmm. name in the army alias, yeah yeah because yeah, Killmonger is such a it's like uh, Jessica Jones' Killgrave la. this guy has yeah. to be a villain <laughs> I, mean, I mean we all read the comic books and I mean remember Killmonger from the comics and how um, how exaggerated he was as a character mm. how really like dastardly and how really uh, bloodthirsty he was mm. and to see Kill, uh, the Killmonger portrayed by Michael B. Jordan such a nuanced character mm. how um, even though he killed a lot of people he, he is still bloodthirsty and dark for me but, yeah, but the only difference is that his motivation is super understandable exactly, yeah. Yeah. he has a tragic backstory a complex motivation that to be honest a lot of us can get behind mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the best villains always have a grain of truth in what uh, in, in what they want like, it isn't just like I want to conquer the world yeah. you know. oh, but at the end of the film right, they essentially reach the same place but the yeah, method yeah. In, in which they want to execute mm-hmm. right, that yeah. vision yeah. of Wakanda T'Challa is going about it in a more humanist way yeah, exactly. whereas uh, he is more of a Malcolm X kind of character yeah. but T'Challa got to that point because of Killmonger because of what Killmonger mm-hmm. said to him that's why he opened they, they, up they found common ground in the exactly. end yeah. 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 which is why that final scene of his death was so powerful just, I mean besides his line of um, bear me out at sea with oh, the, with, with the slaves who jumped off the ship you know because but they knew better yeah they, they, they knew, knew better, like, freedom, better free, yeah. freedom over um, yeah, death was better death, death over bondage you know? yeah. oh. uh, such a powerful line as well even the time when like we he, totally butchered that line but okay yeah I can't <laughs> deliver it like my <laughs> I know or like when he the, even the second he walked into the throne room and he says like you all up here sitting comfortably it's just a throwaway line but it is it, it spoke volumes uh, as yeah, to where the he venom in that line uh, the mm. in that line Ooh. yeah yeah uh, Michael B. Jordan obviously works really well with Ryan Coogler. He does. 
they will be doing another movie soon about the Atlanta public school shooting scandal. Yeah. Written by Black Panther's current comic writer, Tony Hsieh. So looking forward to everything that they're doing. Yes. Obviously, with the box office success of this, clearly there will be a Black Panther two. Yep. He'll be returning in Infinity War. It's going to be probably the major touchstone character, like Iron Man was in Phase One. Yeah. For for this, uh, I mean, uh, we've said a lot of good things about it. Do you any any flaws that you want to point out? The nitpicks that we talked about. <coughs> yeah, I think like action sequence wise, <coughs> it left a bit a bit to be desired. Right, Hitler yeah. isn't much of an action director. Yeah, mm. yeah, he's more of a character. I felt that if they had a better B team to mm-hmm. direct the action, mm-hmm. it could have raised it a bit more. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. Again, this is nitpicking. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is serviceable action. Yeah, it's so not mind blowing. Yeah, yeah serviceable yeah. action, not blind mind blowing. Surprisingly, the pacing was really good. Yeah, it is. Um, anything to nitpick on? Okay. So, uh, you guys, you guys read about the scene that they de- deleted, right? Which one? Mm-hmm. Uh, the one where um, uh, Okoye has a moment with oh, with Shun. Yeah, so they had yeah, like yeah, this yeah. little like um, moment that people felt they should have put in. Uh-huh. It explains the ten more. Uh, it explains the character development better. Yeah. So I mean, I like, so Okoye and uh, Chala or no, 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 Makabe, uh, Makabe. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, so they did. They left it out, and so that's one of the major things issues uh, that I had because okay. he calls she calls him love in the first like first, first act, and then like all the way to the final scene. We don't really see so we don't see all of that. Yeah. yeah, so there's also a scene that he had to cut out with a uh, kind of like a lesbian flirting moment between Nakia. Uh, no, between two of the Dora Milaje. Oh, the other Dora Milaje. Yeah, and and Nakia and. Okay, yeah. I can't remember the name. Yeah, I can't remember Unfortunately, yeah. but uh, they had to leave that out. Unfortunately, as well. Okay. It's uh, a, there, there is a forward cut, forward, forward cut of the movie that Ryan Coogler said it was. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, obviously that's too long. And Will we ever see out. that though? Probably DVD, DVD extras. DVD extras. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, Blu-ray extras. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean that. Uh, at the at the same time, also the movie was already quite long. It's one hundred and fifty six minutes. Yeah. Uh, so. I guess they did what they could lah, and to try to minimize uh, the running time. Mm, yeah, it just it just it's a little. I just wish they could have kept those things, right? Because mm. it could have been so much more. Mm. But Which again, are... it has to be commercially viable. Correct. We have yeah, to keep yeah. it in this. Uh, I guess. Yeah, uh, Daniel Kuliya's stand also was a bit of a nitpick for me because yeah. I I didn't feel like he would betray. Uh, T'Challa that quickly although yeah. I suspect that is uh, a byproduct of cutting out scenes in yeah. between yeah. it would have been the same scene actually correct yeah, yeah. so yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's okay it's like, yeah. I mean that, that's clearly obviously a fantastic actor uh, yes. could, have, uh, could have been used a bit more um, currently nominated for uh, best actor in the Oscars for Get mm. Out mm-hmm. uh, I'm probably one of the few people that remember him as Posh Kenner from Skin Season 1 oh I remember right. him from that guy in Black Mirror la. Uh, also, yeah, the cycling one. Apparently, um, yeah, Ryan Coogler discovered him from Black Mirror. Oh, yeah, he was watching Netflix and then called him up. It's like, yeah, there we go. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. That's, that's one way to do it. Black All Mirror, right. man. Yeah, uh, lo- lots of good things. Last thing on the shout out, like I mean, I know I shared on the action scenes a bit, but the one take uh, casino. Uh, oh scene. yeah, very that good. was dope. That was very, very good. Yeah, good. yeah. Uh, the car action scene that was dope too. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, uh, the CGI was the problem. Yeah, uh, the problem. Yeah. Oh, uh, was I? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the least of it's, it's the least of the problems. Again, but we're I mean, really overall, picking here, la. Yeah, overall, great film. Great film. Yeah. If you you if you're at this point, we've 
completely spoiled the movie for you. Yeah. But you should watch it nonetheless. But it's it's all in a journey, la. Yeah. And it I, really I, is. I like I mean personally I feel like the beauty of Black Panther is in its specificity, la. Mm-hmm. Specific weirdly enough counterintuitively, specificity breeds universality. Yeah. In terms of like your resonance. Because yep. as long as you're truthful to a culture or an experience, yeah. uh, other people will feel the same way as well. Uh, sure. that's that's the beauty of Black Panther. Um the la- last thing I want to say is the Dorian Laje scene that you thought yeah. the, the flirting scene. Yeah. Um, as good as Marvel has been with the racial representation. Yeah. Um, yeah, a bit lacking when it comes to LGBT, LGBT stuff. LGBT. Yeah, um, so. Valkyrie, for example, was supposed to be bisexual in yeah. Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. And they left it on the cutting room floor. Uh, same thing again happened with Dorian Laje. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and weirdly enough, Black Panther also has a very similar plot to uh, Thor Ragnarok. Yes. Uh, <laughs> where they, they find out that the old king had done something <laughs> unspeakable, and then you have you are questioning the the new king has to question his institutions, and then there's a surprising long lost siblings yeah. slash challenger to the throne comes in, <laughs> who is weirdly stronger than you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously, very different approaches to that story. Indeed, in the two very good movies. Yeah. Two very great movies actually yeah. but very very different approaches fantastic uh, okay. uh, we'll, we'll talk we'll, we've talked enough about Black Panther yeah. there's so much to talk about we could go and th- we can do an entire two hour podcast yeah, Black Panther. for sure yeah, but, but I mean on a final note let's, yeah. um, we are really excited to see how culturally important Black Panther will become in the years to come it will it definitely will yeah, yeah. you and know for, because for, for those of you bitches who are complaining about, oh, this isn't the first Black Superior movie. If you can't, we know that. If you can't tell the difference between Black Panther and, and Blade, Blade or Spawn or Meteor Man or Blank Man or ah. Steel, <laughs> then I don't even really know what to fucking say to you, man. Yeah. Okay, first of all, okay. No, okay, no, 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 let's not get it. We've been talking about this so many times. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, let, let's move on to an ambitious Netflix series called Altered Carbon. Uh, which I love. Uh, which I had mixed feelings on. Yeah, I know. Uh, which I thought was okay. I was the only one that really was excited about it. I mean, it yeah. was enjoyable. It was yeah, it enjoyable. Is. It, it was uh, beautiful. It is. It is the most expensive series that Netflix has ever has ever made, and, and, and it clearly shows. Lah, right? There are some shows that are expensive, but you can't tell. Yeah. But this one, every single scene I see, it's like I see the other signs. Yeah. It's like wow, that must have cost a lot of money. Yes. Yeah, and and it's just visually dazzling, it albeit is. shallow. Very. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's what, not the point. What makes you like? <laughs> We'll get there. Yeah. We'll so, get okay, there. for those of you who don't know, just a quick premise this is a cyberpunk uh, detective story. It is. Uh, it's neo noir. It is. Uh, a lot of hints of Blade Runner inspiration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main premise is leaving, where uh, basically you can take one consciousness and upload it to another, another uh, body. body slash sleeve, what yeah. they called it. Using that disc yeah. at the back of their neck. Mambo Jumbo science things. Mambo Jumbo uh, They explore a lot of things like cloning, uh, digital consciousness, mm-hmm. uh, class systems. Class systems, AI, but the only issue I have with it is that they never really delve into any of it. I agree. Uh, it's touched upon as like a flourish yeah. and an accent to this new world. Exactly. Uh, it's, but it's presented too matter-of-factly for me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so... They, they don't yeah. ever examine any of the themes that they throw at you. It, it, it's basically a mishmash of every sci-fi trope I've ever seen in exactly. every TV show ever. If you've seen Blade Runner, <laughs> again, it's a... yeah. Uh, but not just Blade Runner. Literally every every sci-fi trope in the world is in is it in Alter Carbon. It is <laughs> everything <laughs> that you could find in the entire yeah. anthology of Electric Dreams, right? It's just yeah. pieced into one series. I agree. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing, right? That's why I felt I felt that they didn't really need to delve into it because we've really talked about cloning in ten thousand other series. We really talked about 
you know, um, what's the other Digital one? Uploads, Digital uploading, uploading, mortality, right? Mortality, sure. and all this, uh, and every cyberpunk trope has already been delved and talked about, mm-hmm. So, the problem is, it feels like you need to be an insider to watch Outer Cover, someone who knows their cyberpunk quite well, right? Hmm. I, I mean, I, I, weirdly enough, I think it's the opposite. I think you don't need to be an insider to watch. Outer no, I mean Cover. to 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 appreciate. I mean to yeah, like, I guess to have that complaint. Yeah, to have that complaint. All right, yeah. all right, all right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just don't think like it has much meat beneath that all that flesh and, oh, definitely not, and flesh. That's not why I like it. Like. There's a lot of nudity, there's a lot of violence. Very mm. cool. Okay, uh, it's, it's, it's good it's good poppy fun. They had very beautiful looking actors. Ah, actually, that's something I want to talk about. So yeah. <laughs> I was reading just a couple of stuff on Facebook after yeah. Alter Carbon came out yeah. and one of the discussions that I saw was the representation of body types yeah. in uh, with regards to their social standing. Okay. Right. So all the what do they call again? The mess. Ah, mess. Right. Yeah. All the mess are beautiful, skinny, right? Yeah. White, blonde, yeah. 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 blue-eyed. Yeah. Right. But everyone else is like curvy. <laughs> diversity, bro. No, it's not about diversity. <laughs> it's about where they're standing. So yeah, like money. I mean, if you got money, you can genetically modify yourself. No, to yeah, like that, but or? no, but again, right? It's interesting how they chose to show that, like the different body types. Oh. That. So, like, you have your uh, what's the detective's name? Ortega. Oh yes, Ortega, Ortega right? Yeah. Ortega, who is amazingly beautiful, she is, but very, very curvy, as opposed to the um, the wife, the wife, right? Yeah. So, uh, there was this huge discussion about that, and well, upon first watching that, I didn't think about that. I was too yeah. distracted by Joanne Kinnaman's abs. Yeah man, those uh, apps. Yeah man, <laughs> not a great actor, but a fantastic actor. That's yeah. a thirst trap right there. Yeah. Yeah. So I've never so enjoyed Joaquin Phoenix in anything. To uh, be from Red Flag. Robocop was alright. Yeah. I mean, was it really? Nah, anyway. yeah. <laughs> that's another discussion. Yeah, that's a discussion for another day. Okay. But I thought that was interesting. It I also was... thought that was very interesting. So, do you consider the fact that he was as an Asian-born man? Yeah. Being received as a white man as the yeah. main protagonist is that whitewashing? I think it's not. I don't think so. Yeah. Right, okay, because those are, I mean, just like random things that I read while people were discussing this thing and yeah. like just fodder for discussion. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Right, but that being said, right, isn't it the most initial argument too? Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Even though it's a similar kind of concept of receiving. I mean, it probably is, but I mean, but the thing is, you never actually know what mm-hmm. the major's original race well, is, yeah, right? Yeah, racist. But for these guys, I mean, we've seen his other sleeves, mm. right? His past. And they were all ta- more well acted than his actual yeah. sleeves. True. Yeah. But they followed him because he acted as, uh, what's his name? What's the detective's name? Ortega. No, that Kovacs. Mean, uh, sorry, Kovacs. Kovacs. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. sorry, not detective. Takashi Kovacs. Um, yeah. Takashi Kovacs character, right? Yeah. yeah. He was the one that acted and they followed him. The other two. Yeah, but still, like yeah, that's the that you can do his material better than him. Yeah, there exactly, like, That's the, the the thing. The yeah. Asian guys are really dope, like. Yeah, I really, really even the, even the kid that I played him. The, I mean, uh, overall, what I found interesting about this series is um, how well paced it was over the ten episodes. Was yeah. it ten episodes? Yeah, um, I did feel it lost a bit of steam near the end towards the climax. But I, I get really? where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was okay. interesting. Like, yeah. you know, it was a good binge watch. I mean... I had a different perspective. I was quite interested for the first five episodes and the last five ramped it up really quickly because yeah. it became more plot-driven mm. and therefore um, the narrative about took me along. him exploring the world and getting used to yeah. his new I wasn't too interested in the world building because it was kind of caricature to yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, but once the plot took over and mm. the... And everything else faded to the uh, faded to the side, like, mm. like acting, character, things that they're not good at. 
you know, and it became story driven. Uh, who 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 did this murder? You know? Okay, yeah, but it was that kind of moment where he does the frame up first, yeah. right, mm. and then. There's this long, almost oh, the, like one and a half episodes where they are not going to tell you, yeah, yeah, yeah. even though he already says he knows. That just killed it for me. I just like, I, yeah. I get that. What's the point? The Malaysia wrote moment should come at the end. Exactly. I agree. And agree. They, and they gave they did two Malaysia wrote moments. They, they did. They did. Right, yeah. But what was also good, also was the side stories. Things like uh, the daughter that was going through that tra- traumatic. Uh, the really really small character moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She's going through that whole uh, the daughter is the best therapy thing. Me. Right. Yeah. And how she came out and kicked ass and saved his life, essentially. Yeah. Ortega also like two really strong women lah. Yeah. You know, one going through that whole journey of going past her traumatic experience, becoming yeah. stronger, yeah. kicking ass at the end, and Ortega who you know lost her arm, you know lost her fa- whole entire family, right? Piling up is another sci-fi trope. I know, piling up is such a sci-fi trope. I love it so much. We're gonna see Misty Night soon, so yeah, that's we'll true. See, yeah. We'll see where that goes. Uh, yeah, so on and so forth, like. I mean, I love this kind of small character moments that the show did have, lah. Like. Okay. Yeah. For yeah. me, Overall, it was the tiny parts, right? Yeah. Like, uh, the girl who's been resleeved into a fifty-year-old uh, 50. body. That's the first part, though, Yeah. Right. Uh, and the the biker gang sleeve that gets used over for multiple her, characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cholo looking actor, uh, not cholo lah. The, no, no, biker. The biker looking actor, the guy with the bald guy, the tattoos on his he head. Three characters. Three characters. Three characters. Uh, uh, yeah, he was quite um, a re- revelation to me. Mm. Uh, his portrayal of uh, Ortega's grand grandmother, great grandmother, grandmother, grandmother was quite uh, amazing lah. Yeah, just his um, his mannerisms and just the way he behaved like an actual grandmother, like a Abella. He, yeah, it really made me believe he was Abuela. Yeah. yeah. And then two episodes later, yeah. he's he fucking was, Russian. He's done Russian. He's a Russian guy. Yeah. Which was so amazing. It's like the accent changes and like, you know, dope, dope, dope. He was the Tatiana Maslani of the show. Yes, True. I, totally <laughs> I would have I would have watched like a series just based on him. You know? Another little thing that I really liked was things like, um, certain details. Things like how her partner, the, uh, Ortega's partner, the Muslim guy, how I was speaking in mm. Arabic and she understood and she was speaking in Spanish. It's a post-language world. It's right? yeah, a post-language world, right? kind of like Firefly how everyone yeah. kind of speaks Mandarin and English at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fine, yeah. you know? That kind of like diversity and that yeah. kind of integration. That it did have its moments. Yeah. I know, don't... But I felt like I enjoyed for it. the kind of money that they threw into it, it it's looked the right. part, yeah. you know? But I didn't feel... Like at the end of the day, mm-hmm. that's all we're going to be talking about. It is. Mm. You know, it, it, it is relatively faithful to the novels. In mm. a sense that, like, the novels never did explore any of the ethical dilemmas that any yeah, of these yeah. technologies presented. But the novels weren't really good novels. No, yeah. Um, oh, I mean, bad, yeah. From, from all accounts, this is, this is a huge improvement over the books. Exactly, yeah. So, they have that going for them. Yeah. Um, despite all our complaints, it did relatively well on Netflix. And it will probably get a season 2, which I don't mind. Season 2 and 3, apparently, will be set in totally different worlds with totally different characters. Yeah, um, so, it will be more of an anthology kind, yeah, of, yeah. kind of show. That makes sense. Yeah, just using the same technology. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, apparently, Kovacs won't even be in the second season. That's alright. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, other than I mean, he can, be in, he can be played by any number of uh, actors. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's Benham true. And, that's yeah. true. I do like the writing behind the character. Mm-hmm. The acting was sub. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see where this goes. We'll see where this goes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, altered carbon recommend? Yes. I recommend. Yeah. I, I would because recommend it's an it easy binge. Because it's fun. Yeah. It's a six out of ten. So I guess it's a. It's still fresh and. I mean, I love it and all, yeah. but I'm giving it a seven. All right. Uh, I I give it a fresh, but it's a ba- barely fresh. It's yeah, six, okay. six out of ten. Oh. Uh, okay. Fair enough. 
Yeah, uh, What's next? I, <laughs> I, I just kind of wanted to point out with our discussion of uh, Bionic Arms, um, Black Panther also had two characters in Bionic Arms. This is Claw and Winter Soldier. And Winter Soldier. Although Winter Soldier did not have the arm. Yeah. 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 Uh, we'll be moving on to an Oscar-nominated genre darling right now. Um, mm-hmm. It had 13 Oscar nominations, which it is did. very surprising. Uh, especially for a genre for, film. Especially for a genre film. Yeah. Uh, genre was very well re- represented in the Oscars this year. Uh, I mean, one of the frontrunners to win Best Picture is a horror movie, which is... Get Out. Yeah, which is weird. You know, horror just... Uh, we talk a lot about superheroes not being represented. Horror, even less. Even less. That's true. You know what I mean? But I mean, it's well written. La. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The Shit of Water, written directed by Gilmer de Toro. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's just a fantastic, wondrous fairy tale, la, which um, I kind of fell in love with, and I, I, I really adored this. Me too. One of my favorite movies of the month. Uh, Sally Hawkins, man. Damn. <laughs> what do you guys think? Uh, oh. Beautiful movie. Beautiful yeah. movie. It's just uh, like so. <laughs> that's all. Beautiful movie. Uh, yeah, I mean, it had it had so many moments where it you just. First of all, the attention to the details for the. I mean, it's, it's a period piece. Yeah, yeah it's a period piece. Right? So the attention to detail. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. But it's Del Toro, so you don't really expect anything. Exactly, less, right? So right? It, it's the height of his. Oh, man. Aesthetic powers. Yeah. Let's just call it that. Yeah. Right? For sure. Um, the story, I felt. It's simple. It was simple, yeah, yeah. Right? It was told in a good way, I yes. think. But at the same time, like, it didn't delve very deeply into any kind of backstory. Yeah. Don't have the. Don't need to go into the mythos of yeah, the creature. Yeah, there's no and mythology behind all that. Which, yeah. which is interesting yeah. given that usually Del Toro yeah. does add he a does. lot of that. But I mean, he gives. Like, to be a fairy tale, most fairy tales don't delve into the. That mythology is also yeah. true. Yeah. So, you, I mean, you have little tidbits here. He's from the Amazon, worshipped like a god, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. about it. That's but, all you need. But in the end, it, it truly is just about a tale of transformative love. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's basically. A compassionate movie about the lonely outcasts of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, besides the unfortunate moment who is being experimented on in the science lab, mm-hmm. uh, the other protagonists include two women. One of them is mute, and the other is African American. Mm-hmm. So already, you know, um, minorities. Oh, this episode got a lot of diversity issues, huh? uh, I think genre has always been very yeah, like, diversity centric. Yeah. Uh, the other protagonist is a gay man. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Artists. Artists. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I mean, it, this this is a movie for the lonely outcasts of the world, uh, people who feel are not represented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, about how love can transform everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite literally. Quite, yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the, the, she becomes a fish at the end. She doesn't. She was always Why she a grew gills, fish. Uh? She did not grow gills. She always had gills. That she is. Was just Never unlocked. Oh, no, yeah, we don't know that for sure. I know, right? Yeah. One of the great yeah. mysteries of mysteries. the yeah. We'll call Del Toro and ask him. Yeah. I, I like to call this film uh, genre fluid. Genre fluid. Oh. Because it is it is part fairy tale, but it's also like part creature feature. Mm. It's part silent movie. It's part spy noir. It's part musical. And also essential fable. Yeah. 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 I mean, it could actually pass off for a very interesting 1950s film. I mean, the period was the 1950s, but it also had the... Est- um, the filmmaking qualities of oh, the 1950s yes, that period of time yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, those monster films and breathtakingly and right. beautiful and just like unabashedly romantic right? yeah, yeah. Oh, love it love it love it yeah uh, and I, also Sally Hawkins uh. yeah yeah uh, really enough only the second best Sally Hawkins film I've seen this, this <laughs> <Right>? yeah <laughs> Paddington 2 Paddington 2 <laughs> is the best Sally Hawkins mo- movie I've seen if this, you have yeah. not watched Paddington go and watch Paddington yeah Paddington. I guess Paddington can be no no it can't cartoon. it's not cartoon it's animated but the talking bear part is not science or fantasy. <laughs> no, oh, but it was it yeah. was a cartoon to begin with. That is true. That is true. That is yeah, true. So, so we, so we can, can review Pennington too. <laughs> okay. <we'll... laughs> 
we will discuss this and get back to you guys. <laughs> yeah, uh, but like just be a lean of Sally Hawkins at several scenes reminiscent of the shit water in Paddington too. Yeah. Uh, with the scene of uh, her diving into the water into to the save water Paddington. To, to save Paddington, yeah. Weird, right? Yeah. Uh, in in yeah. Paddington 1, there was a scene where Paddington didn't know how to turn off the tap in, mm-hmm. the, in, the, house. in, the, in the bathroom. Yeah. And then the bathroom filled up with water. Yeah. And Sally Hawkins had to go in and save him as well. Yeah. Much like uh, the sex scene of the creature here. Yeah. Therefore, they are the Therefore, same creature. Yeah. <laughs> Weird, weird enough also, um, we were supposed to talk about a movie called Annihilation this, this yeah, month. Yeah, but it got re- it, removed from... I got removed. We'll, we'll talk about more about the context of Annihilation when we actually review Annihilation. We will, yeah, which yeah. we will do so. Uh, I just have a small little anecdote. Um, one of the breakout creatures from Annihilation is this apparently really scary, frightening bear. Mm-hmm. This bear creature from The Shimmering. Oh, uh, yeah. The VFX team that did the, the bear effects were the same VFX team that did Paddington. Oh, shit. So, they, they, I was reading this interview on EW and they were saying like, this is our second bear movie this year. <laughs> and, weirdly enough, they named the bear Homerton, which is oh. the train station right next to right Paddington. Right next to Paddington. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, son. Alright. Yeah, small little thing that we should keep in mind for yeah. Annihilation next month. And we can link back every episode. We link back to Paddington because I feel like people kind of just don't take us seriously when we recommend Paddington too. Yeah, when we say that it's one of the best movies we ever watched, they think like it's a joke, but it's, it's not. not. We really love that movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of things that we love, uh, The Good Place just ended its second season. Yes. Yeah. The Good Place is is a comedy series by Mike Schur uh, yeah. of Brooklyn Nine Nine, mm-hmm. The Office, Parks mm-hmm. and Recreation fame. So wait, what do you think? Do you prefer this season or last season? I prefer this season. Me too. A lot. Yeah. It's a, it's not to say the first season is bad. Oh, it's good. It's it's wonderful, but it's just a a huge improvement, right? It Mm -hmm. delves it delves so much deeper into the number one the philosophical quandaries facing them in in every situation that they're put in. Yeah. Uh, you delve into like uh, Kantian dilemmas and stuff like that. Uh, but you also have a lot of personal discovery. You do specifically with the character of Michael. Yeah, uh, who is a demon who discovers human emotion through his friendship with Janet, Mm -hmm. which is Uh, AI. Kind of an AI. Not a robot. Not, Not a, a robot. robot. <laughs> Not a robot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I love things like that. I also love how like every four episodes they, they blow up their own premise and yeah. move on to something it's else. It's quite else. insane. Like you watch the whole of season one and you think yeah. to yourself, it can't get any more absurd. Than yeah. And right? it does. And it, oh, and, and it does. They keep upping the stakes, which is quite insane. And and I mean, spoiler alert, they're alive again. Yeah. Not really. I think it's a simulation. It's a simulation, uh, la, yeah. You know, but you know. But still. still. Yeah. Still. I mean, and it's it's just such a funny show with a lot of just throwaway gags, you know. It, yeah, it like does. when Tahani was walking past that that hallway of uh people she knew from the past, yeah. and were talking about her, yeah. uh, and all the little side gags with the names yeah. and everything. There's one Beyonce and uh, oh, and Beyonce with the, with her kids. Beyonce uh, and Paul McCartney or something like that. They there were was talking also, about her. Yeah, there was also Prince William and, and Prince. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so even that is a uh, Tahani's mention for name dropping is, yeah. is even there. Yeah. Uh, but like what I love most about the premise that anything like daring uh, of, yeah. of the good place is is that unlike other twisty shows like um, twisty shows like Westworld for example mm-hmm. uh, Westworld is kind of patronizing in the aha everything you thought was wrong yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of vibe but this one it every twist serves to service character yeah and develop them even more yeah and it never discards ideas within a dealer yeah it's, it's for a specific purpose and it, it's very character driven it is it is it is it is um, the second season is is uh, just so much better than the first season. Yeah. yeah, and it was a very good first season. I agree. Correct. I yeah. mean, uh, I really had no idea this was where it was going, right? 
Like after the the whole su- the whole switch and bait thing, after we're thinking, oh fuck, they're in a bad place, and we figured that out. Yeah, yeah. And like, how the hell are they gonna go from here? Exactly. Right. But it just kept getting better and better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I I remember us discussing before the season even ended, like mm-hmm. what the how they possibly could end the season mm-hmm. yeah. with by changing it up again. I did not predict. And I, none of us predicted that they'd be thrown into a yeah. simulation. And usually, to, to live I'm again. Okay, I'm pretty good at like seeing some yeah. of these twists early on. I mean, because we've watched so much genre, we've watched so much other series, exactly. we kind of can tell where it's going, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. but no, I was caught off guard. It was really Same. good. It was really good. Please watch the good place. Uh, one of the main, one of the main, um, I guess points where you can tell that a twisty show is mm-hmm. good even without the twist is that I can rewatch season 1 and 2 mm-hmm. knowing all the twists and still enjoy it yeah. Yeah. because it's so character driven mm. yeah. um, what, what draws me in is actually the friendship between these four people yeah. and even, how even, and, even um, Jason yeah Jason Mendoza yeah. <laughs> uh, who is still you know trying to blow up things in Motel Cocktails <laughs> is still the most lovable doofus out there yeah. 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 he's still gonna feel this test Yes. <laughs> well, we don't know. Oh, we well, don't know. I I think one of the keys to uh one of the lessons that we we can take away from the good place is that uh becoming a good person doesn't happen in a vacuum. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, not 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 only is morality kind of subjective, but the attempt to be a good person can only happens when you can only happen when you have a support structure around you. That's true. Yeah. Uh, you have to be good for someone, yeah. or for love, or for friendship, or for something mm-hmm. like that, And that's kind of what the good place is all about, And Truthfully, what most Mike Show shows are about anyway. Yeah. Uh, Parks and Recreation, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, they're all funny, you know, uh, independently. Yeah. But it, it's all about kind of uh, friends working together. Yeah. 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 Uh, human and, relationships? Yes, it's, it's all about human relationships. Yeah. Like, I, I, I love the humanity that's, pre- that's presented in Mike Show shows. Man, mm-hmm. I love all your shows. All of them, right? All of them, yeah. I, great I, track record. I mean, I, I'm so far. Yeah, he's never had a dad yet. Uh. Yeah. Never had a dad. Um, he's doing a new show with uh, Natalie Morales, so he's going to be super busy. Damn, son. Yeah, uh, love Mike Shaw. Mike Shaw has also directed uh, other genre stuff. He directed, um, he wrote and directed Nose Dive from Black Mirror, the season 3 episode. Oh, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. With uh, Rashida Jones. Rashida Jones, yeah. Yeah, uh, so no stranger to genre. No stranger to genre right there. Okay. Uh, I'm about to hand over this podcast to uh, Hardy and Isa right now because they're huh? going to start talking about Star Trek Discovery. And what, you no. didn't watch? I mean, I'll, no. He really said he wouldn't watch. We established this in the last I've, I've seen the season premiere in the second episode. Yeah, uh, so I lost interest after that. I'm just going to lay it out. Star Trek Discovery is uh, the newest Star Trek series on CBS All Access, which is their streaming service. Uh-huh. It's the only series developed specifically for that streaming service. Yeah. Uh, it's originally created by Brian Fuller, who yeah. left the show due to quote-unquote creative differences. Sometimes. Something he's been doing a lot of recently. Yeah, this guy can never train a show. Uh, but... Seeing where CBS wanted to take Discovery, you can't blame him. I don't really blame him. Yeah la, yeah la. Um, yeah. I was, uh, you know, you know what? Fuck it. Uh, what do you guys think of Star Trek Discovery? <laughs> he had so much to say, but he just doesn't want to say. We will let him try to try later. Okay, Adam, okay, let's do this. Uh, what do you like? What do I like? Costume and set design is amazing. Brilliant. Yes. Uh, CGI, not bad. The CGI is actually yeah, right? actually very very impressive. For a Star Trek CGI. series, in it's been a while la, that has been this good la. right? I mean for CGI. I mean like the first, don't first time. Don't you think it's just a byproduct of the advent of time? Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> but I'm seeing like even like the, the detailing of, of the ships, right? The, right. the, the way that they they, they, they they made the Klingons, mm. um, the way they do the warp speed travel thing and yeah. all that, right? All those little details 
they but you seem to pay more attention to it lah. Yeah. I know it's the advent of time and all that stuff. New they have this better technology to work with right now. True. Yeah. Right? But also, it's quite interesting to see how Star Wars and uh, Star Wars Troy. Star Trek <laughs> Star Trek has grown over the years. Oh, there's a big <laughs> Shame. 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 <laughs> I don't have a bell, damn it. Anyway, it's okay. Um first off, Michael Burnham, right? The one uh, of the best protagon- one of the best Star Star Trek protagonists ever. Since uh, Cisco, I feel. Well, uh, first protagonist that isn't a captain. Who is isn't a captain? Yeah. First protagonist who isn't a, who captain, isn't a captain, who is an outlier, an one outlier. of the best acted characters with first the best mut- motivations. Mutineer or Starfleet. Ever. Ever. And ever. And, and last? First and last, I guess. I don't know. I don't know where last was. Well, it is a prequel, so mm. I don't remember any other And We will research that again. Yeah. yeah, so that's that. Um, I think the creature effects have been great. Shout yeah. out to Doug Jones again. Doug Jones, who, by the who way, if you didn't water. know, basically does all the major like creatures. Yeah. yeah. Shape of Water, Silver Surfer, Silver Labyrinth, Hellboy. Most of the Thoros things. Yeah, most of the Thoros yeah. things. So, so to see him here... If you see the silent episode of Buffy also, he played the gentleman. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. right. And uh, Doug... Ape, Ape, uh, Ape Sapien. Ape Sapien. Yeah. Yes. Uh, also, shape of water. Also, shape of water. <laughs> Basically, the same thing. Um, but yeah, but this is kind of one of the first, or one of the very, very few speaking roles that you actually see him in. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, la, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. like, what else? Usually, his voice is modulated or something. Yeah, so it's like Silver Surfer here, like five lines. Yeah. Right. And it was Lawrence Fishburne that yes, voiced Silver Surfer, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, so like it's 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 him, it's him acting and all that, and he's got and he did a great job. Yeah, I mean Saru was one of the characters that I actually like how they developed Saru. Yeah, I I hated Saru at the beginning. Right, he was this a bit cowardly, a bit like to the book kind of guy. Eventually, he, you know, he saw that list of like great captains, and then you saw like Pike, (laughs) you saw like uh, Jojo, and a bunch of like uh, other ex captains that uh, like Archer and all that. Mm. So. And then from that, it inspired him to, you know, yeah, be better. He, he, I feel like Saru's character growth throughout the season the has been comparable to Michael's. Yeah. Right? And it's I really, side by side. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed that because yeah. two very different characters mm-hmm. who are kind of unfortunately stuck with each other. Yeah. And it's a, it's a great counterpoint in terms of directing. It is. I, I, mean, I, quite like it. I mean, there was backlash for characters like Lorca. Right? Yeah, who's, which they kind of like magic wandered away. Yeah, with the, the whole. Uh, you know, with the whole, I'm not a big fan of that arc. You're not a big fan of uh, Mirror Universe? Yeah, I mean, we. Okay, Star Trek. <laughs> this is the first Star Trek, uh, Star Trek series to actually delve into the Mirror Universe for an extended, for an extended episode. period. Yeah. 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 I, so, do, I, I do have to clarify that although I have not seen Star Trek Discovery, I know everything that happens. Because he has read everything yeah. about Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. Oh, and everything okay. I've read has not convinced me to watch it. <laughs> okay, so. Um, I feel that I mean I do agree with all the points of contention that you have hit. So we've we've discussed this yeah. at length, yeah. Right. So we won't really go into that. I know that for a lot of hardcore Trekkies, this is unacceptable. Yeah, it goes against everything that, but I feel that generation that stands for. I guess yeah. And goes against goes against a great legacy that has been inherited agree, from like. I agree. And while I agree with all those things, it doesn't change the fact that it's fun. It's fun. Star yeah. Trek Discovery is really fun, and it, I think it's a, a great gateway exactly, for yes. people who aren't Trekkies. Yeah, yeah, I mean the accessibility of this series was a lot better than like uh, Enterprise. Oh yes, for sure. Yeah, it was. It was Enterprise, m- the TV show. The, yeah, the TV show. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah it's way more uh, accessible. Mm. 
And you know I know it shits on certain track legacies here and there But overall But you see they get away with it because it's a prequel Yeah Right this is the federation before it became the federation, the federation that everyone knows and loves yeah. So I am more willing to forgive these things Also I'm not as big a Trekkie I think as, as either one of you are um, but that being said, it is not without its flaws. It does not. Yeah. Uh, the the plot twist and just how the general convenient, arc, you know. Wait, but then again, Star Trek always. Has, it's also very convenient, right? Sometimes. You got some scientific babble that goes on that solves like the MacGuffin. The yeah, yeah. Are, yeah, it's it's pretty insane, like how they twist and turn that yeah. way. But I felt that the technology was a lot more organic in a way. Um, like literally organic. Yeah. Like the spore drive and all yeah. that stuff. Um. So I was watching. What's, what's the after show? Uh, after track. After track, yeah. Right, and the, the one that they interviewed the scientists uh-huh. that um the uh the scientists that the entire sport technology is based on, mm-hmm. I find that's fascinating, right? It For is. them to pull that kind of out of nowhere with no kind of like a prior basis in in track law, I think that was very interesting. Interesting, yeah. Um, I mean, I came into track really early on in my childhood. I obviously did not watch the original series because, you know, way past my time. Like, yeah. uh, way before my time, I'm sorry. But um, I'm a big TNG fan, uh, DS9, mm-hmm. uh, Voyager, um, Enterprise, not so much. Not so much. Um, every, every even-numbered Star Trek movie has been really good. Uh, but it's kind of ended for me when J.J. Abrams started doing his Star Trek movies, uh, which have just become his showreel for, for his Star Wars movies. Yeah. Um, so okay, I, I understand that the Star Trek movies I can kind of put to one side because it's in the Kelvin timeline. So Kelvin timeline, yes. So so that's what I, that's <laughs> which what they're going to destroy in, in in the future. So I hear, so I hear. Yeah, so I hear, so I hear. So but I can't I can't dis- I can't detach from Star Trek Discovery because it takes place in the main timeline. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that, that's that's just weird for me lah. Mm. Uh, like okay, like for example, a lot of the MCU stuff right doesn't really follow Marvel comics, but it's yeah. okay lah. It's in their own, their own they're in their own it's timeline. It's an MCU yeah. timeline. Yeah. yeah. So I can kind of like forgive that. I get that. But with Discovery, with how they kind of challenge uh, institutions that I've come to hold dear to me, yeah, but okay, uh, has has made me feel hypocritical because I love the challenging of institutions when it came to Star Wars, uh, uh, a franchise that is less beloved by me, but I'm still a fan now. Yeah. Uh, so I'm always I'm always like, hey, I mean, come on, uh, accept new ideas, push boundaries. But when when push comes to shove, right, um, <laughs> I, I I'm as purist or as a fanboy. I'm I'm. Yeah, like, I'm as a pure, I'm as much a purist fanboy. The ones that I mock, you know, I'm as fanboy. much like them. Like them, yeah. Yeah, then I. That's care, why we have these stupid podcasts. Then I care to believe, <laughs> la. uh, Yeah, Star Trek is too close to me. It for is. Me okay, to, I get that. I, I understand story. that. Yeah, by the same time, yeah. I mean, Hardy himself is is as big of a Trekkie as I am. By more of a apologist, lah. I'm more of a Star Trek apologist. Yes, we yeah. shall coin a new term, <laughs> fanboy to go. Yeah, so I feel that, I feel this is a good direction for Star Trek. Okay. It's interesting. Yeah. Okay, uh, I feel there was one particular episode before they took the mid-season break. Mm-hmm. Was uh, it a standalone or was it a? It wasn't was it a standalone a, yet. Which one? The one where they actually went down to the world, like the. Oh okay. Yeah, and yeah. then like there's only twice that happens in the yeah, entire series. Yeah, the first right? episode and um, the mid-season. Yeah, so there were like a couple of episodes where it really did felt like a full-on like Star proper Trek. Trek show. Yeah. Yeah. You know. um, the spirit of exploration and of anthropology and of exploring uh, various cultures and their society or culture 
it's it's what is lacking in discovery for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Being a purely serialized show. I mean, especially when we love series like Dead Space Nine, Dead Space Nine, Deep Space Nine, mm. Dead Space right? Nine, <laughs> Deep Space Nine. You know, and mm-hmm. how the interactions within the space station, Correct. the different cultures that were interacting. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's a Star Trek is right. a show about anthropology to yeah. me, and Discovery is a war show. It's a conflict show. Yeah, it is. It uh, is. Which will be fine, and I keep saying that Star Trek Discovery, if it was going by any other title, Battlestar Galactica Discovery or whatever. I agree. Know, I understand that point. The Expense Discovery yeah. or whatever. I, I understand that. I understand uh, where you're coming from. Yeah, but when you put Star Trek there, you have to be at least. No, I don't say loyal or subservient, but uh-huh. at least like respectful of his legacy, lah. They do to an extent, though. Uh, it's the to to the ex- to an extent part Which of is a problem, me, right? yeah. Okay. Yeah, I get okay. that. Yeah. Um, Being the purest fanboy, I don't want to an extent. Right? I want to I, all extents. I, I agree, but I felt right. This entire series was worth it for the end, the last scene of the season. Oh. oh. <laughs> So you're, you're waiting for them to fuck up Enterprise's Legacy 2 right, in Season 2? I don't think they're going to feature Enterprise that I think it's going to be like. interesting. It's just, it's just that moment, right? When you, uh, you see the sev- 1701 and mm-hmm. you see Enterprise pop up onto the screen uh, and just facing Discovery. I don't know? know, man. I don't know. I, 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 I was excited. I was. Yeah. But after that scene, I was just like, I, I shared his disconcert. Yeah, yeah. Right? That they might fuck around with it. It's okay. That's next season. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. It might be just a, a, a you know, I, that, it I, might just be fan service. Yeah, so, it, no, it is fan service. No, as in, like, they might go and explore and have some kind of interaction. Yeah, most probably. Well. I mean, this will be Captain Pike. And that means that our good friend, Spock, it's on the Enterprise right now. That'll be quite interesting. Also, right? oh, actually, that's great because Burnham is actually his box house sister. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sinico Martin Green is actually my favorite part of the show. I think she's a fantastic she actress. Is. Yes, yeah. I yes. mean besides Doug Jones, uh, who mm. who steals every yeah. scene that he's in, yeah. True, 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 true. Um, I mean, me being me, I will definitely catch up on, on it eventually because eventually. I catch up on everything eventually. I, know. I just think that's great potential. Me too. I think that's great potential. I think that if they have spent this much time on the details of the look, right, and even like the references to, to the law mm-hmm. of, of Star Trek as, as a whole, uh, I think there's also a lot of potential for them to go into detail mm. about the legacy. Yeah, I agree. Well. I, will, I will say yeah. one thing, it is, it is better than Enterprise. It is better than Enterprise. <laughs> I, I do have to say that. <laughs> it's not really hyper. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, that's kind of what I mean. Uh. Yeah, and it's... Uh, I'll go so far as to say it's better than the J.J. Abrams Star Trek. Yeah. I would say it's just slightly below Voyager. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I like okay. Voyager better. Yeah, exactly. It's my third favourite Star Trek show. Same. Yeah. Okay. Space Nine is my first. Then Next Generation. Yeah. On, on sheer production value and consistency and stuff like that, I guess it has a leg up on the original series. It does. But the original series is the original series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We cannot... Right. Our legacy really cannot... Correct. Cannot say much. Yeah. Even Martin Luther King was a fan of the original series. Man. There we go. He Drunk con- history, guys. Catch up. Yeah. He convinced uh, Nichelle Nichols not to quit the show because <laughs> she would serve an, as an inspiration to uh, African American um, uh, girls. Girls. Yeah. yeah. Or just in, in general. In you know? general, yeah. Uh, she herself, after meeting Martin Luther King, because she wanted to do Broadway after after season one. Yeah. And Martin Luther King was like, man, no, I'm no. a big fan of Star Trek. You should, you should come back, you know, and inspire people like me. And she did, and then she personally recruited like uh, several female and African American astronauts and mathematicians into yeah. uh, the program. Uh. Dope, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. now we have a African American female. We forget like how yeah. how Star Trek. I mean, and that's why I understand why you're so hung up over certain things about Star Trek's legacy mm-hmm. because of what came before mm-hmm. and how important 
a milestone it is for a lot of people's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, la, so I get that. Mm-hmm. But still give it a chance. And also, it's highly, I, I, I highly recommend for new Trekkies to watch this. I mean, people who have never watched Star Trek before. Yeah, if, this you're, is looking, easy if you're looking for kind of like a, a gateway, yeah. you want go to for start it. somewhere, I would recommend Discovery as a good way to go. Yeah. I would recommend you watching TNG on Netflix. Oh, yeah, this Which is also on Netflix. Oh, this yeah. is nine. Yeah, 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 also on Netflix. On Netflix, Netflix yes. Yeah. And that's all we have to say about Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to be moving on to a little segment that I have called Quick Hits. Quick Hits. Uh, due to the nature of my job, which is basically, you know, watching things, uh, mm-hmm. I have uh, more time or opportunity to watch things than um, my other co-hosts don't. Even though I'm fun employed. Uh, not for long. Not Hopefully, for long. yeah, he's gonna be an insurance agent soon. What? What? Yeah. You need a policy. <laughs> yeah, I need a policy. Genre um, equality got you covered. Our email is genreequality at gmail dot com. Um, so if you want an insurance policy or something, our co-host Hadi. Yeah, this is not a scam. This, this is not, not a scam. This is not a scam. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's dive in. Where I'll basically just run through a few uh, TV series or movies that I caught up over the recent month. And I'm just gonna give you a brief breakdown, should you see it, should you not, mm-hmm. and uh, all the little things in between. Uh, the first thing I'm gonna soft recommend, uh, soft is a Netflix horror movie called The Ritual. It, uh, it's, it takes place in like the deep, dark Nordic forest, the Scandinavian wilderness. Uh. It's, uh, it's very atmospheric and I like that. Uh, and these, uh, I guess, British hikers are confronted with a malevolent Norse deity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's pretty black metal. Uh. <laughs> Uh, the most black metal horror movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, but it's just a soft recommend because despite its evocative use of its setting and uh, serviceable cast, the the story was very tropey and it's mm. familiar, it's quite predictable. You like what? Why? I like. Don't say I Don't like. Don't project. <laughs> Sorry, I'm projecting, I'm projecting. <laughs> Does it sound like I'm discovering? Uh, does, does, does it sound like discovery? It doesn't. It doesn't. Does it sound? Oh no! It sounds more like off the cover. Yeah, it does. Yeah. There Sorry. You go. Uh, yeah. I mean, director David Bruckner does a fairly decent job of conveying a thick sense of tension. Okay. And uh, fear and dread, lah. Ah. Uh, but story-wise, it's too predictable, and ah, okay. you, you can see where all the deaths are coming, ah, where okay, okay. where the conclusion is coming. So in that sense, it's just an okay horror movie. Okay. Uh, it's a soft recommend if you have a Friday night, you got an hour and a half, it's a short movie. Mm. Uh, yeah, check it out, you know, it's, it's not bad. What is a bad horror movie is a movie called Winchester. Yes. <laughs> Please, uh, just, um, Not just one of the worst horror movies I've ever seen, just one of the worst movies I've seen in general. Wow. Uh, like, not, not this month, not this year, I mean, in like, general, I in mean life. like in my life. Okay, please explain. Uh, it, stars, uh, <laughs> it stars Helen Mirren. And because it stars Helen Mirren, I expected it to be so much better. That's uh, she has nothing to do with it except look creepy. Uh, Winchester is a story of the most haunted house in America, the, uh, the yeah. Winchester Mansion, yeah. basically. Uh, so the story is about you know how Helen Mirren she goes crazy. She builds all of these like uh, circular staircases and hallways and doorways that lead to nowhere. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the story is that because um, she inherited her wealth, her family like, inherited their wealth from uh, the Winchester gun manufacturer, you mm-hmm. know, their ancestors. They are, so they have all these death and blood on their hands uh, yeah. and the ghosts come there to haunt them. Yeah. Which, uh, I mean, could have been an interesting political, political theme that they could have delved into, mm-hmm. but they don't. Uh, yeah. uh, this, this movie by the Spi- Spiric Brothers uh-huh. uh, was just really uninspired and super boring. 
Uh, much like the spiral staircases that lead nowhere, this movie leads nowhere. Um, it's it's just one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Like, do not see it. Okay. 100% do not see it. Uh, another thing I'm going to say do not see is a movie called Mute. Oh. Uh, Mute is exceptionally disappointing because it's by a filmmaker that I dearly love called Duncan Jones. Uh-huh. Duncan Jones is the writer-director Moon. of Moon. Yeah. Uh, but since then, he's had a rough go of it. Warcraft. Uh, Warcraft. His his movie prior to this was not very well received. It wasn't. Um, his father David Bowie passed away the same year as well. Okay. Uh, so having a tough time. Um, everybody was expecting Mute to be his return to form. Yeah. But uh, and the trailers look good. It's uh, much like Alter Carbon. It has a similar it has a similar feel. It's a cyberpunk a neon lit detective story okay the premise was interesting the premise was interesting it stars Alexander Skarsgård who you may know as uh, Eric Nothman mm-hmm. from True Blood uh, also Epps also Epps yeah <laughs> also Epps uh, he plays like a kind of Brian Gosling from Drive character uh, an Amish person who just doesn't speak uh, but uh, this is just a slog to get through it's, it's derivative there's a weird subplot with pedophilia which I don't understand and it's almost supportive of it Okay. Uh, Paul Rudd is totally wasted in it. Alexander Skarsgård is not good. Oh man! What? Yeah, I mean, I love Alexander Skarsgård. Like uh, Eric Norman was the, pretty much the best part of True Blood. He was. Uh, and of course, he's finding quite um a fair bit of acclaim on um. Fuck! What's that? Pretty Little Lies. Big Little Lies. Pretty <laughs> Little Lies. Yeah, I just made that mistake. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Big yeah. Little Lies. Big Little Lies. Big Little Lies. Yes, yes, yes. It's Pretty Little Liars. Yes. <laughs> yes, the yeah. wretched one. Yeah, that's a wretched show. Yeah. Sorry. Um. So this is this is a Blade Runner with no depth. Uh. It's uh, it's visually polished but narratively derivative uh, and overall very muddled. Um, okay. Mute could have been a sci-fi e- epic, but it's unfortunately very misguided in its narrative subplots and everything else. Okay. Uh, this is a movie that feels on nearly every level. This uh, especially considering that Alter Carbon just came out, yeah. which is a much better version of Mute. It is uh, yeah. being a murder mystery detective story kind of same setting and all that uh, avoid me at all costs so just to recap The Ritual 6 out of 10 Winchester 0 out of 10 0 minus wow <laughs> yeah. Mute is um 2 2 out of 10 okay yeah so not the worst but not Nowhere near the good lah. Nowhere near the good at all. Uh, nowhere, Sorry, Duncan Jones. Nowhere near mediocre. Um, I, I, I still love Duncan Jones for, for Moon, one of my favorite genre films of all time. Yep. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I cannot let that bias me lah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Mute is fucking terrible. I would like to recommend uh, Happy. Happy is an adaptation of uh, Grant Morrison's uh, Image comic. Uh, so it's based on his graphic novel, and I do emphasize graphic uh, because it is hyper-violent, high-octane, and like gleefully perverse. Uh, it stars Christopher Maloney, who you may recognize from uh, Law & Order SVU, mm-hmm. Special Victims Unit. Mm-hmm. He's basically playing um, a cranked-up version of his character. From Law & Order? From Law & Order. He, with similar backstory, he used to be from a Special Victims Unit as oh, well. Something oh, happened oh, wow. to children, and then like he went nuts. Uh, yeah, and when I mean cranked-up, I mean... I don't mean like on the drug, I mean like in the movie Crank. Oh. Yeah. What? Like like that kind of guy. It's it's okay. super violent. It has a lot of like if you've ever read image comics from the nineties, you you kinda get the tropes. Yeah. They are like gratuitous murders, gang wars, there's a deranged pedophilic Santa Claus, mm-hmm. there is an EDM orgy Wait, with what? Yep. There is an <laughs> there's an EDM orgy with a life size insects. What is uh, happening? Reali- what is happening? Relative <laughs> reality TV scum. And and his best friend an imaginary blue unicorn. 
name happy. Ah, okay. Uh, so yeah, this is this this show might be a bit too unhinged for people. Okay. But it's fucking wild and it's really fast paced and you will never ever be bored with this it. Sounds, like. This starting sounds like Devil Man. <laughs> uh, not as sexual, but okay. You bit, just a, said pedophilic Santa. Bit more, yeah, a bit more violent. A bit more violent? Okay. Yeah. Violence. Um, it, it kind of offsets its uh, extreme edgy brutality with kind of cartoon goofiness. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, you find a light you find a light balance there. Okay. So it's it's not it's not ever too gross or it's not ever too happy. Okay. Uh, no worries. Yeah. Uh, but Christopher Maloney is fantastic. This is like a great second act for him after SVU because he hasn't really done much since Law and Order Special Victims. Mm. Uh, it's already been greenlit for season two. Okay. Uh, Grant Morrison, specifically Grant Morrison is actually a co-showrunning this, uh, so it, it stays true to his comic book. Okay. Uh, and he's very very happy with it. Grant Morrison, for you, if you don't know, is not, e- to please. not easily pleased with his adaptations. <laughs> so right. just the fact that he gets this stamp of approval... That's a big deal. It's, it's a big yeah, deal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Grant Morrison, I mean, a legend in comics. Like, yeah. if, you, yep. if you don't know who he is, I don't even know why you're listening to us right now. <laughs> Uh, one, the second last thing I would recommend, uh, this is a heavier recommend than the ritual, uh, or happy, which I liked a lot. So happy is like a 7 out of 10. 7.5 out of 10. Wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's a show called Dark, a German science fiction, time travel, uh-huh. weirdness kind of film. Um, think Stranger Things, but German. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although Stranger Things is kind of more of a surface level comparison because um, besides the period setting and the focus on children, yep. Yep. there isn't really much similar. But it's a it's a nice hook la, yeah, okay. uh, for Netflix audiences. Um, this didn't come out in February, it came out in December, but it took me a while to catch up just because of how dense it is. Okay. Uh, and from what I saw, I generally liked it quite a bit. Um, I'm... I personally, I, I enjoyed the addictive mystery mm-hmm. and the neat causal time loops. I'm a bit sucker for time loops. La. <laughs> uh, and, and the way it did it, it did it was very, very logical and very neat. And I couldn't find any paradoxes in it, which was, which was really great. But I was bothered by how characters behave less as people and more as like plot-driven puzzle pieces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was never really enough uh, space in the show for characters to experience real organic growth because their decisions... Uh, so tightly mind mapped. Yeah. Mm. You know, uh, they have to do this so that can happen. Yeah. If not, you know, but well, it's an interesting study in like causality, actually. Correct. The way yeah. that it's set up. Even in, even in writing, to be honest, mm. actually, Because like, yeah. I found like most of the shows that I enjoy or became stronger as they go on, the characters kind of evolve based on how the writers uh, react to them uh, yeah. over the course of the series, or mm. how even fans react to them. Yeah. The malleability of it, like. Yeah. Uh, I mean, characters like Jesse Pinkman from Breaking Bad wasn't even supposed to be around, yeah, exactly. but because he gave such an amazing performance, they wrote something for him. But with something like Dark, which takes place over three timelines, mm-hmm. and in season two, it takes place over six timelines, Wow. Uh, the causality is so intricate yeah. uh, that the characters just don't have room for any growth. Yeah. Ah, okay. So it, it, they're very paper thin and they're just plot driven puzzle pieces. Okay. They're like this chess piece that I move here, then I move here, and then oh look, checkmate. Okay. So the show is fun to my map in terms of paradoxes and figure out who is who in a family yeah. tree. Yeah. But less compelling as a drama. La. Okay. And uh, as much as I enjoyed season one, the worry is that characterization might get even thinner in season two as writers are focused, forced to focus more on att- their attention on um, the increasingly convoluted timelines. La. Um it's it's a hard buy for season one. I will give it an eight out of ten. Mm. But uh, I'm very cautious as to where it will go from here. Okay. It is not an easy watch though. It's very dense. Yeah. Um, I think um, I saw caught most of it or all of it. I finished the whole thing, but it mm. took me a good number of s- sittings just to get through. 
Yes, yes. Uh, as as interesting it as it is, and again, like I love, I love very neat time loops. I love uh, this entire idea of causality. Mm-hmm. But like he just says, it's a puzzle. Yeah. And a lot of the time, it, for as a viewer, you're just trying to figure out that puzzle, mm-hmm. and it's exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> it really, really is. Um, and and one of the downsides of that is is um, it's weird to say this as a downside, but. The show is actually very beautifully shot. Mm. Um, it's very atmospheric and he has a lot of good, great visuals. But um, acting is also not bad. Okay. But the issue is because you're trying to figure things out all the time. You're you're reading the subtitles too intently. You don't notice. To to really focus on uh, cinematography, to focus on expressions of actors' faces. Okay. So um, what I keep doing is I just keep you know um, like scrubbing back a few seconds, then reading the lines again, and, and then I'm just fo- so it's like I'm reading a novel. Yeah. And it doesn't make a show. Um, I guess German viewers won't have that problem. That problem, yeah. But you know, being a non-German speaker, it's it's a huge problem for me. Yeah. Learn German. Uh, oh wow! I just watched Dark season two. <laughs> Why not? Uh, I mean, that Dark Dark is a great show. Um, but yeah, I'm just I'm just cautious as to where it will go. Okay, here, I understand the cost. The, why you're cautious yeah season 1 is fantastic though I mean like Hardy if you got time you should, you should definitely I check will. it it's, it's yeah. an end of time for me it's the most it's the most highly recommended of all the 8 shows that I'm recommend okay. that I'm kind of running through today yeah but I'm watching another German show this Babylon Berlin, Berlin. Non, uh, non-sci-fi which I also recommend it yeah you did and it's equally dense yeah it is so you're gonna be ha- you'll be reading a lot of uh, German yeah yeah yeah. a lot of good stuff coming out of Germany though yeah, yeah interesting really, right? you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk about the most uh, the most interesting topic in quick hits. Okay, what? Uh, the Cloverfield paradox. Oh. oh. If that's not indication enough to you, yeah, this is not coming. How as we a... feel <laughs> yeah. about this movie? Yeah. This is not recommended. Uh, let's talk about the circumstances surrounding. So it. the Cloverfield paradox has been long in development, and I've personally been following the story of its development just because it's been so interesting. Uh-huh. Um, initially, a couple of writers. They wrote and made an independent film called The God Particle, mm. which was bought by Paramount and Bad Robot, which is J.J. Abrams' um, mm. production house. Yeah. And when they bought the film, they decided to retrofit it into the Cloverfield universe. Mm-hmm. So they rewrote scenes, they reshot scenes, they, they brought back actors to reshoot you know, uh, new lines, they stuffed in uh, extraneous things that were totally unrelated to the movie to fit it into the Cloverfield universe. Yeah. Uh, and if that sounds messy, Guess what it is? It is. <sighs> and uh, the first indication that this was going to be a failure was that Paramount initially scheduled this for release in April. Yeah. They were going to do a huge marketing push behind it, but then on Super Bowl Day, they dropped the trailer for Cloverfield Paradox saying that it's out on Netflix today. Yeah. Uh, and in a nearly unprecedented move, um, Paramount sold uh, the Cloverfield Paradox to Netflix for cheap. Yeah. Because I suspect they knew that this was they a mess it was and it was going to die a slow death in the box office. Yeah. And, and and true enough, the movie was a mess. It was. It was predictable. It was badly written, badly acted, badly shot, badly everything. Yeah. I I I don't know if any any of you guys have caught it, but what do you guys think? I watched the first ten minutes and I was like, I'm done. I I got to fifteen minutes. Oh, yeah. I watched yeah. the whole one hour twenty five. Yeah, because you got more stomach for this sort of thing than me. No, but I mean, like, why? What kept you there? Yeah, what kept you there? Um, I was intrigued to see what kind of connections they could make uh, being a completist uh, to yeah. the other Cloverfield films. And yeah. what was it? Uh, there, were, there were quite a bit. I okay. mean, the... Were, were those like done in the reshoots? Or? Yes. Oh. It's clearly not part of The God Particle. The God Particle is an entirely different movie right. that they stuffed other Cloverfield scenes into. Uh, it's, and they are trying to reverse engineer a film. 
and yeah, they ended up being a failure, la, yeah. as you can imagine, because it's just not a way you it's should. It's not organic, make, la, you know. It's yeah, it's not it's not the real creative process. It's a fucking Frankenstein kind of monster thing. It is, it is, it is, it is, yeah. Um, and it disappointed me a lot because I really, really liked the last Cloverfield movie, Ten Cloverfield, Ten Cloverfield which was a really taut and tight and tense um, chamber horror. Yeah. Uh, featuring Elizabeth, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and the big guy, and the big guy, yeah, uh, John Goodman. Yeah, John Goodman. Yeah. Uh, so that that was a great horror movie. Um, the first Cloverfield was interesting. I mean, there was the shaky cam, the whole handheld cam thing that was going on. Yeah. The entire not yeah. seeing them. And you don't see the monster until the end. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, weirdly enough, uh, you see more of the monster in Cloverfield Paradox than you see in Cloverfield itself. Really? Yeah. But it's not it's in the last movie. scene. Oh. Yeah. Right. Uh, so no, there there were a lot of pred- <laughs> there were a lot of predictable things. Uh, basically, the premise is. The world's energy resources are running out, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, countries are coming into conflict for you know mm-hmm. natural resources, lah. Yeah. So this Cloverfield paradox thing is mumbo jumbo science experiment set up in space mm-hmm. so they can have an unlimited supply of energy, but somehow they open up doorways to alternate dimensions, yeah. so things get transported here and there. Yeah. Uh, so these monsters from other dimensions appear on our dimension. Yeah. Like this, I just want to watch Pacific Rim. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the only interesting thing about this is it doesn't just open up dimensional uh, voids uh, in space, but also in time. In time so okay. they can appear in like 1940s or the 1970s uh, or in the far future. Okay. Right. And uh, different people from each dimension are swapped over as there well. It's like a potential for this to be good. Yeah, yeah I mean, the premise sounds interesting. Premise sounds interesting. Because the, the next film movie is set in World War Two. Oh, uh, which uh, I guess they explain how the monsters ended up uh, in, in World War Two. Okay, yeah. so yeah, see, premise is interesting. Premise is interesting. You have a fucking stellar cast. Exactly. Right. You have David. I can't pronounce his name. Oyelowo. Mm. Yeah, right. you got uh, Daniel Brühl. You got Daniel Brühl. Who's actually yeah. a really good character actor. You may remember him from Civil War. He's probably his most famous role. Yep. He's the villain in Civil War. Yeah, uh, yeah. The all all the actors are really good, to be honest. Will but the next movie be written specifically as a Cloverfield movie? No, the next movie is called Overkill. Uh, well, at least the movie that they bought is called Overkill. I don't know what it's going to so be called they, now. So they bought it and they're again. Doctor it's going to be called Cloverfield. Overkill. Overkill. That is, yeah. Overkill. Cloverfield. Yeah. So uh, Overkill is weirdly enough a horror movie set during World War Two, which is an interesting premise. Yeah. Uh, JJ Abrams bought it and is going to retro- has already retrofitted it. In fact, the movie is in post production right now. Oh, yeah. okay lah. Ah, is this going to become a trend? This retrofitting thing. For now, I mean, for this, uh, I don't think it's a trend for in general. Maybe, oh. maybe just for bad okay. robot. Yeah, just for bad robot. I think okay. What's interesting is uh, well, not really retrofits anymore, right? But the fact that so many. Of the MCU, the DCU, Star Wars, for example, mm-hmm. after they go through that, the amount of reshoots that have been happening in recent cinema history, yep, uh, has been staggering, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, reshoots are nothing new for blockbuster films. Reshoots sure. happen all the time. They're even written into their contracts. Mm, yeah. yeah. So that 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 in itself is not indicative that it's going to be a bad film, lah. Yeah. Reshoots just happen, you know. Mm, yeah, I I don't know where I stand with this whole retrofit thing. Yeah. Um, the bigger issue isn't so much the reshoots, but the changing in direction. Right. Uh, because, um, let's say, I guess Justice League is a good example of this. Yeah. Of uh, Zack okay. Snyder being taken off, um, either due to personal tragedy, or as recent reports have surfaced that he was actually fired, and they used the tragedy as a. Uh, Marketing. Yeah, just yeah. A, a, P- a PR thing. So it's things like that, lah. Uh, reshoots itself is not inherently bad, but it's when they decide to cost correct and be reactionary that's. 
that's a DCU trait lah. Yeah. They, mm. They've done it all the time, and they they con- they continue to do it to this day. It's weird. Interesting though. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But the Cloverfield paradox is a solid three of ten. A solid three. Well, it's better than Winchester. Yeah. Which is zero. Which yeah. Is zero. Yeah. If I could rate something negative, I would. Winchester. Yeah. So um, of all the things to really avoid, it's Winchester and mutes. The Cloverfield paradox is semi interesting because of its connections. Yeah, to a bigger universe, I guess. Yeah, that's that's about it. If you want to be completist about it. And if you like the actors who appear on it, then I guess it's fine. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next up, we'll be talking about the tick. Mm. You seen the tick, right, Hadi? There's like few episodes. I really enjoyed this reiteration. Re- this reiteration mm-hmm. of the tick. I thought uh, the main actor, what's his name? The tick. Peter Serafinowicz. Yeah, he's so. Yeah. <laughs> he's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the last guy did a good job too. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his name? I forgot his name. The no, American, big name. American guy. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's not Rob Riggle. He, he looks like, like Rob Riggle. I was about to right? say that. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, it's not Rob Riggle. It's the other guy. Yeah. Oh right. He was. Uh, yeah, never mind. Anyway, yeah. So, uh, I really enjoyed uh, this current sticks uh, run mm-hmm. so far. I only watched three episodes in. It was a long time ago. They just uh, confirmed. A season? Season, season 2 yeah. for, for 2019 Yeah, yeah. well deserved I guess Yeah mm. um, I think a lot of the, 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 the characteristics you got from the comics mm-hmm. Or the animation Patrick Warburton, I'm sorry is, uh, Yes, uh, Warburton, yeah. that's yeah. the guy Yeah Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I felt that was a, a very um, good um, A good um, Sorry, there's so many ums here Continuation Continuation of the story lah. Mm. It's a <laughs> I, I felt it was very faithful And Yeah it, It's a good twist lah. It's, it's a good continuation lah To everything that Has been done on the tick lah. Yeah. Um, yeah Like Ben Atland Ben Atland Is the creator of the tick mm-hmm. uh, He's done several iterations of the tick Over 30 years He first yeah. invented the character In high school Over mm. 30 years ago It felt like Yeah okay uh, and it has gone through many different variations. First, it started out as a comic book. Yeah. Then it became a cartoon. Yeah. Then it became a live action series with Patrick oh, wow. Warburton. Yeah. And then it became a new live action series yeah. in uh, Amazon. Which yeah. is amazing, right? Yeah, and yeah. I feel like actually, like each particular iteration of the tick has has parodied or ha- has a uh, smart meta commentary on the particular particular zeitgeist at the time. Yes, yes. Yeah, like yeah. for example, the cartoon kind of uh, spoofed other Saturday morning cartoons yep. or yep. heroes of that ilk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this particular thick kind of um, satirizes uh, the grim and gritty reboot yeah. that is the trend today. More of the DCU lah. Correct, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. uh, all that. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's still a savvy spoof and a hilarious meta commentary yeah. like, of superheroes in pop culture but uh, although it's making fun of how deep and dark the new reboots like to go yeah. its own depth and darkness is actually very compelling in itself right? <laughs> uh, so it's, it's not just making fun of it but it's also a homage to it because it does what it's spoofing better than what it's spoofing so is there really a homage? It, it's um, think of it as like Cabin in the Woods yeah. where it kind of pokes oh. fun at the tropes of horror, of horror while still being a love letter to, to the horror. genre yeah. and at the same time doing that genre better than yeah, the things yeah. it's making I get, that, I get that feeling too when I watch the tick yeah um, a lot of uh, fantastic stuff in the new tick um, one of the interesting things is that it doesn't really focus on the tick the main character yeah. is Arthur mm. and for the first half of season 1 you kind of uh, think that the tick is a figment of his imagination uh, um, eventually it's 
proven that the thing is it's real. real but by the time that uh, reality hits, the reality is there to kill you because the villains are here, yeah. and the, the terror and all of that. The villains are all really funny. Yeah. Um, the standout character. Oh, actually, before I go on, like I, I do need to like emphasize that like th- this is still the take season one. Ah, okay. uh, the take season one um, was split. Was split into two parts. Yeah, two parts. Uh, Amazon made the unusual decision to split season one into twenty seventeen. Yeah. Uh, the first six episodes. And then after and twenty eighteen, the next six episodes. Yeah. Um, I actually kind of enjoyed the break. Mm-hmm. It, and since season two won't be out until twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. uh, I like uh, these little chunks of the tick. So yeah. I won't go two full years about the tick. Yeah, I agree. Um, one thing I mean to to. Nothing to do with the tick, but to do with why Amazon did that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, look at The Walking Dead, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, AMC also did... They also have very long mid-season breaks mm-hmm. that can last for a few months. Mm-hmm. It does give you a... It does give you a mental, like, rest time. Yeah. Before you continue on mm-hmm. yeah, watching uh, the second half. Yeah. Um, the tick, actually, surprisingly, it's a... It's surrealist and it does slapstick a lot. Ah, yeah. But at the same time, also, it's it's surprisingly emotional, emotionally poignant. It is, yeah. Uh, weirdly enough, uh, the character development from everyone, from Overkill, who is kind of a deathstroke, uh, <laughs> rip off, yeah. uh, slash uh, satire, yeah. uh, and the thing is obviously uh, just a satire of general superheroes, general superheroes. Uh, the superior who is the Superman satire yeah. and all of that. Uh, even the villains are given uh, good character arcs yeah. as well. Um, my favourite aspect of the second half of the tick, uh, do you mind me spoiling it? Spoil it, it's fine. Just a, a real minor spoiler. Yeah, um, go ahead. Overkill has a sentient boat called Danger Boat. <laughs> uh, I saw even that is funny. <laughs> yeah. So the, the sentient boat has a personality and the uh-huh. sentient boat identifies as male. Oh, shit. Uh, and it turns out the boat is homosexual and is uh, in love with Arthur. Oh. So, um... Danger Boat's awkward crush on on Arthur is actually one of the most um, compelling, delightful, <laughs> delightful aspects of the tick, okay. uh, and one of the newer aspects of the tick because Danger Boat is a new character. <laughs> okay, and uh, I've never seen uh, homosexual relationships expressed in this way. <laughs> I mean, you know, with a sentient boat. Yeah. And and because Arthur is so frequently inside the boat, it's it's really weird. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, that in itself, like, just the idea of that makes you laugh, right? Yeah, but just wait until you see it plays out. Uh. Okay, it, it, it's, it's actually quite amazing. Uh, and now we're shifting on to uh, our monthly edition of the pull list. Uh, and this month we have... Isafong. Isafong. Yes, so... What's your pull list? <coughs> pull list is where we recommend reading material for you guys. Pull list. I, see, I realize when I say it really fast, it sounds like police. Right, so, um, going with this... The theme yes. of uh, Afrofuturism and Black Panther, right? I am going to recommend a trilogy of books by Alastair Reynolds, who is oh. currently one of my favorite sci-fi authors. Okay. So a bit of background about Reynolds. He used to be an astronomer and astrophysicist. Okay. And he was writing novels at the same time, but then he left science to, to kind of write full-time. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to recommend the tr- Poseidon Child... Sorry, the Poseidon's Children trilogy, okay. uh, which is uh, Blue Remembered Earth, which came out in two thousand and twelve, uh, On the Steel Breeze, which came out the year after, and most recently Poseidon's Wake, which came out in two thousand and fifteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, these three books trace uh, the family members of a spacefaring African family in a future whereby Africa is the dominant uh, scientific and cultural leader Whoa. in the galaxy. 
Wakanda nice. in space. Yes, exactly, Wakanda right? So I, I just thought that would be a nice tie-in for someone who wants to kind of see what uh, black excellence looks like in the far future, mm. nice. right? So um, uh, all three books function great as standalone. Uh, there are some tenuous links. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the protagonists are all uh, inheritors of the same legacy across time. Uh, and he does have a great deal of world building um, which explains the rise of Africa and the, um, the ecological disaster that befalls Earth and how that leads to the rise of Africa mm-hmm. and China, uh, who is the kind of like the other, the other half of the, the story, right? And uh, interestingly, the rise of a uh, seafaring part of humanity. So there's a part of humanity that basically genetically modifies themselves to live underwater. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they take on forms like whales and you have sentient whales and sentient sharks mm-hmm. and all these very marine-like things. So shout out to... Uh, shape of water so a lot of things kind of like tying with what we've been discussing over the podcast Um, it's really really good and I think like this might be one of the well at least one of the first few I've read uh, Afrocentric sci-fi novels that I've been really really enraptured by Uh, generally I really like what Reynolds has done Mm -hmm. so he writes everything within uh, the same universe it's called the Revelation Space Universe which was his first novel okay Uh, and all his stories take place in that particular universe okay Uh, but yeah so highly recommended go check out Alastair Reynolds Blue Remembered Earth On the Steel Breeze and Poseidon's Wake Um, you can read them you know on their own but I recommend them reading them in in order uh, in sequence and Uh, um, is it necessary is it like uh, sequential uh, it is there's a lot of time jumps actually alright oh, okay. uh, so they do revisit things because like they they have the technology to kind of like digitally upload yourself and all of that ah, alright so alright all that okay. but in this particular case I feel like what I really like about Reynolds is that he doesn't skimp on heavy political uh, themes yeah. okay. you know as far as the impact that it goes and how technology has basically changed basically change what we would believe our future looks like oh, right so it's okay. extremely compelling characters are very very well written out Nicely done. and it's very interesting to kind of trace the legacy of a character that you read in the first book mm-hmm. all the way through all three books mm-hmm. and how that kind of like how that functions uh, uh, it's, it's a very neat uh, trick uh, yeah. that he constant, consistently does throughout all his books yeah. so these references that references back which eventually have a great impact upon where the current story is going Mm-hmm. So yes, Lester Reynolds, one of my favorite sci-fi authors, uh, and his take on what an Afrofuturistic um, world or galaxy would look like. Nice. I'm gonna catch this. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna read this catch. This catch. Well, you could so. catch the book. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Like I mean, since we're on the theme of like Afro, like can I just like s- s- slate one like comic book? Yeah. Go ahead. I've been reading this like a uh, dark horse comic called Incognito. Uh, Renaissance. Oh, I've heard yes, about this. Yes, yeah, really yes. great. Like it, it tells the story of how like a young mixed race journalist struggles with issues of identity and acceptance in 1920s Harlem. What? Specifically, the Harlem Renaissance, la. Okay. So okay. It, it's not. It doesn't just have a great setting of like uh, the great um, uh, Harlem poets and writers and musicians of that time, but also uh, issues of like um, bi- biracial issues. You know, how this uh, man who can pass off as white. Uh, fits in or cannot fit in in either world, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's neither. It doesn't fit at home in, in, in any of them, lah. And it's also an absorbing murder mystery. This particular comic it takes place. Uh, well, he comes to he comes to New York 
and he's originally from Mississippi. Okay. So he's invited to this party, but when a black guest suddenly turns up dead of an apparent suicide, but authorities show up to the scene to shut the gathering down, but have zero interest in investigating whether the death may be a homicide because the man is black. Okay. They just don't care. La. Realizing that his ability to pass for white and willingness to do work that others won't, um, it allows him to dig deeper into the potential crime. Okay. So, in a sense, being able to pass for white is his superpower. Yeah. Because huh. it, it, it uh, gives him privilege. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's where I find this to be like really interesting. Wow. Yeah, okay. so um, Pick It Up is on Dark House Comics right now. It's written by Matt Johnson, who himself is a biracial man. Um, so a lot of his themes or I mean, he wasn't in the 1920s Harlem Renaissance. <laughs> and he wasn't investigating in the mystery. La. But the themes of uh, being unable to uh, reconcile your identity with both races okay. and the uh, unwillingness of either race to accept you as a person uh, is something that is very near and dear to him. La. And right. he expresses that very truthfully. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is it, I guess, yeah. for the March episode. What? We're done? Yeah, we're done. Uh, we'll be back on April 1st, not April Fool's, yeah. but we'll be back on April 1st with a new episode of the Genre Equality Podcast, it'll be our fourth one. Yep. Uh, we'll be talking about the 80th anniversary of Superman, yeah. the OG of superheroes. What else will we be talking about? It's going to be a big deal. Uh, I'll be re- well, we all will be reviewing Jessica Jones, yeah. season 2 is coming out. Uh, I mean, shouts out to them because every episode of uh, season 2 was written and directed by a woman. Yep. Uh, Ready Player One, Steven Spielberg's uh, Jump Back into that Genre. That looks interesting as hell. Yeah, uh, I'll be recapping or reviewing the X Files, which has had uh, quite a tremendous revival season. We will be doing that together, I guess. Correct. Yeah, yeah. and also the hundredth episode of Agents of Shield, which yeah, is one of our favorite yes. shows. So, uh, like, yeah, for the past like two years, I think. Yeah, uh, we'll also be talking about other stuff like Wrinkle in Time, yeah. Annihilation, mm-hmm. um, a little zombie movie called The Cure. Oh. Uh, and maybe Tomb Raider if it's good. Oh, it's bad. It doesn't matter. I'm gonna review it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we have plenty of stuff to talk it's about. It's Vikander. There's no way that I'm not going to review that. Yeah, At I the same Vikander. time, you know, video game adaptations have I traditionally know. been bad. There's bad, never been yeah. a good video game movie ever. Indeed, But indeed. it's based on the my favourite Tomb Raider game though. True. Yeah. 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 And uh, no promises, but I might be reviewing um, an audio play called uh, Wolverine The Long Night. Oh, oh I want to do that too. Which is basically a true detective but with Wolverine. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> let's do that. Let's try to do that. Let's try to do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's available on... Line, line uh, through legal means. I'm not through sure legal means as well on on our audiobooks. Audiobooks, yeah, 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 correct. That's but um, it's 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 available elsewhere too. Yeah, if yeah. you know where to look. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, won't, we won't we won't spread the word. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just go read it, lah. You can find it. You la. can find it. Yeah. Uh, till next month. I'm I'm Peter. I'm Hardy. I'm Isa. Uh, we'll catch you soon. Bye. Bye.